0: Greetings to those who watch below. Before we get into this month's roundup of true paranormal tales, I want to give a big thank you to Ghost City Shelton, Lefty Kim, and Lisa Watts for being those who dwell below. If you would like to join them, please check out the link in the description box. Now, on to the stories Red Eyed People in My Room by Madeline. Four six one zero. Ever since I can remember, my dad, being the soggy piece of lettuce that he is, always made me feel uneasy when I was with him. No, he never hit me or assaulted me in any way, he's not that soggy. But I always felt like we were never alone in the many homes that we lived in. This time in particular, I was around seven or eight and was visiting my dad for the week in Oklahoma. My dad and new stepmom had just moved into a new house, and it was only us three and my dog. I had a small room with my bed against the wall facing my closet. I had a small dresser with a TV that had an automatic shut-off, because I could never fall asleep without it on. Another strange fact about being with my dad is that I was deathly afraid of the dark, just like any young kid is. But when I would stay with him, I always felt compelled to sleep with no lights on. However, I would always, and I mean always, make sure that I had my closet light on with the door shut before I went to sleep. And this is the same in any house that I lived in with him. Every morning I would wake up with my door shut and the light on, so I knew my dad never came into my room and turned it off. So this was not a one-time thing. One night I fell asleep watching some TV like usual with my same closet situation. I woke up, at around 3am and at this time I didn't know what this means but to my surprise it was not good. So I awoke to my closet door open and the light turned off. I instantly felt sick to my stomach with complete body chills. I know that this was not sleep paralysis because I was able to sit up and I could move my arms, legs and eyes. I looked to the side where my dresser ended and saw these freaky-looking people with grey skin and red eyes. There were four men, two little girls, and two little boys. On the far left, there were two little girls that looked scarily like me from the past when I went to a Catholic school, and wore green checkered jumper dresses and had long, brown hair. In the middle, closest to the girls, were two identical men, in business suits and black hair. The men to the right of them had all grey on, baggy sweatpants, and baggy hoodies and grey tennis shoes. Then, to the right of them on the end, were the two little boys with identical clothes to the men in grey sweats. I just about crapped my pants. The two men in suits started whispering to me, and the voices I eventually heard were threats to kill me and all of my family if I didn't get them to leave in a certain amount of time. You don't have long. We will kill you. You better hurry. Hurry. We will kill you. They kept repeating until finally one of the little girls screamed and ran toward me, and they disappeared right as I opened my mouth to scream. To my surprise, it was my own scream the whole time. However, I know that I wasn't sleeping, as I could move and jump right out of bed to run to my parents' room. My dad and stepmom were annoyed that I woke them up, but became scared when they saw that I, ironically, looked like I had seen a ghost, but oh, not just one, eight. They were still being the trash bags filled with wet socks that they are, and didn't really do much about it after that night. My mum doesn't really believe in this type of thing, but when I told her, she looked terrified and simply prayed over me a few times. Purgatory Road During August 2018, my friends and I took a road trip from New York City to Rhode Island. None of us had been to Rhode Island before, so we were excited about the drive, especially because we had rented a Mustang convertible for it. We left a little later than expected, it was about half ten at night, and since it was a busy Friday night, we decided to punch our destination into the Waze traffic app to beat the traffic. Eventually, we started losing steam, so my friend in the back seat fell asleep, and I just kept driving along quietly, When my friend in the passenger seat told me to exit the freeway to take side road. At first, driving on the unlit winding back roads was relaxing, but then the wind picked up, and it got increasingly foggy and misty. I wasn't scared, per se, just a little on edge. I thought about pulling over to put the top up, but decided against it, since there were no cars in sight. Heavy rain was projected for the entire weekend, so I wanted to get the most out of the convertible. So, I kept going along as normal, if not a little too fast, to get back to the main roads as quickly as possible, when something just... shifted. I don't know how to explain it, other than an unsettling, exposed feeling. I remember pulling my sweater over my legs to cover up, Then my friend up front... told me to look at the street sign in the distance. It read... Purgatory. We woke up our friend in the back seat... who sort of scoffed. Seconds later... we went round a bend... where a large red cross was installed on the side of the road... with nothing else in sight. We just shrugged it off as a creepy coincidence. By then we were kind of joking about it... and indulging in the spookiness. But around the next bend a big truck came hurtling down the one-lane road, aimed straight at us. Luckily, my impulse was to swerve a little to the side. Otherwise, it probably would have resulted in a head-on collision. My friend tried to get his license plate number, but he sped off, while my other friend found the quickest route away from this particular road. We didn't really discuss what happened afterward, because we were too creeped out, and we haven't talked about it since. While writing down this story, I decided to look it up. I spent an hour trying to retrace our route, and found the little road. It was indeed named Purgatory, and though we didn't notice it at the time, Google Maps revealed that Purgatory was situated next to an old graveyard. Curious about the road, I researched it further, and discovered that two teenage girls had died there in August of 2011. In an accident, on their way to visit the grave of Rhode Island's infamous vampire, Mercy Brown. Apparently they decided to go for a drive down this dark and windy road, because they thought it looked haunted. A watery grave. I didn't grow up believing in ghosts. Then one morning, when we were 16, when my friend's mum picked us up for a carpool, I mentioned that I was really creeped out by this bathroom under the stairs in my house that no one ever used. I couldn't exactly define why I felt this way, I just found it eerie. The house where I grew up in was an old Victorian home built in the 1800s, so eerie vibes were part of the package. Hearing this reminded my friend of her own creepy bathroom association. She told me that when she lived in the German countryside for a year, there was a little section in the home that no one but her middle sister used, who was about nine years old at the time. During this time period, her sister would wake up with bloodshot eyes, sometimes even bruises, and feel totally exhausted. They did everything to investigate what was going on, including sleeping in her room, working with a child psychologist, and a school counselor. My friend doesn't remember much from this time period, other than her sister being disturbed by something the year they lived there. She mentioned that she and her other sister, the eldest, also hated using that bathroom, because they would always feel off, and find thick black hairs stuck in the drain, even though each of them had fine blonde hair. At this point in the story, my friend's mum abruptly stopped the car and jerked her head around and said, That's where the woman who once lived there killed herself. She drowned herself in the bathtub. Her mum was clearly shaken. She said part of the reason they moved because something felt off in the house. The Witch of Dittmar by Annie82 I don't know if you believe in God. I can't even truly be sure of that question myself. What I am sure of is that there are forces, things, or entities out there that we do not understand. Things that can possibly harm us, or at least terrorise us. Things that I would love to stay the hell away from, and I would advise you to do the same. Some people, such as my little brother, don't quite understand that, and every day I am worried he will find himself in a situation he cannot escape. This story took place between 19 and 25 years ago, in Austin, Texas. My family, consisting of both my parents, my older brother Ben, my baby brother Eric, my older sister Eileen, and myself, who had just moved back to South Austin from Bay City, Texas. My parents wanted to be close to the rest of our family, so they bought an old three-bedroom, one-story house in a small neighborhood near South 1st Street. The house itself was ugly, and looked like one of those small prisons you would see in some sort of Wild West show, but as for the neighbourhood, well, I really enjoyed it. There was a park not too far away called Ditmar, and I believe the huge creek that ran through our neighbourhood had the same first name. It was a beautiful place. Everyone had big trees in their yard, and woods surrounded us. I used to love walking around or just going into the creek and relaxing while no one was around. My whole family liked it as well, especially Eric. I was exactly seven years older than he was, but he was a fast learner. He was a bit of a free-range child that seemed to never really be afraid of anything. As a baby, he rarely cried, even when he had a fever, so bad that he had to be rushed to the children's hospital. He turned three in that house, and by then he was already walking, talking, and peeing outside. He learned to potty train by watching Ben, he used to purposely go to the bathroom outside to anger my grandparents. My parents said he was the quickest one to become potty trained out of all of us. One day, I was watching Boy Meets World on our TV in the living room, when I heard Eric talking to someone in our parents' room. I put on Power Rangers in there for him, since that was the only place that had another TV, but I couldn't hear it playing anymore. What I did hear sounded like the occasional whisper followed by Eric simply talking loudly. When I walked in to investigate, he was just sitting there on my parents' bed, looking into the mirror at the head of it. I asked him, "'Who are you talking to?' with a slight giggle in my voice, and he turned to look at me as if i had just caught him sneaking the cat inside. He then grinned from ear to ear and replied, "'No one?' I then said as sarcastically as I could, "'Oh, really?' No one, huh? Liars don't get cookies from the cookie jar. He jumped up and quickly yelled, Okay, okay, I I was talking to Chuck. I was relieved, because Chuck had been his imaginary friend since we first moved in. In fact, I think it started when my dad let him watch Charles play, and instead of being terrified of the creepy little doll monster like a normal person, he became obsessed with it, like a little weirdo. He would watch that movie every year when it came on in October until he turned 14. So I decided to play around with him and say, no, you weren't. You were talking to someone else. I was expecting him to say something along the lines of who? And I would quickly respond back yourself and throw a pillow at him and run away. But instead, he did something that sent shivers down my spine. He tensed up and a look of shock and surprise took hold of his face. Then he looked at the mirror quickly and said, I didn't tell her, I I swear. I did not know how to react. I just stood there dumbfounded. I then hesitantly asked him, Who were you really talking to? He looked up at me as if he was going to cry and said, Mummy Ego. Then he pointed at the mirror grimly. My body moved almost robotically, As I slowly moved to look in the mirror, I saw nothing, so I got closer and started squinting my eyes. Suddenly I saw it, but it was too late. A pillow smacked me across the back of my head. Eric, I yelled as he bolted out of the door, shouting, gotcha. That night after dinner was a different story. Eileen and I were washing dishes when my dad walked in to get a soda out of the fridge. There was just something about that name that bothered me. What kind of three-year-old would come up with that? The whole thing was just disturbing. Therefore, seeing as my dad was the one person Eric talked to the most in our family, I asked him if he had ever heard him say anything about a mommy ego. My dad just looked at me as if that was normal, and said, oh yeah, I think that's one of his imaginary friends or something. I asked him about it once and all he said was that she's a secret or something. That made me feel a little uneasy. I had to know more now. I was still sceptical about the whole thing, and I thought, well, maybe it really was all just in his head. But part of me needed some sort of confirmation, that mummy ego was just a figment of a child's overactive imagination. The next day, I asked Eric about her again, A little more sternly while he was watching tv in the living room. He wasn't really phased by this at the time and mostly kept his eyes glued to the tv. She's the old lady that lives in the attic, he said vaguely. That caught me a little off guard and confused. So I said she lives in our attic? No, she doesn't live here. Chuck does. She only comes to visit from time to time and when she does she sleeps in the attic. "'Wait, Chuck lives here?' I asked. "'Yeah, he told me this used to be his house, and Mummy Ego used to visit him too.' "'Now, I was really feeling scared, but I had to know one more thing. "'So, if Mummy Ego doesn't live here, where does she live?' "'Chuck said she lives in the woods by the creek, near the dead goat skeleton. "'Mummy Ego also told me she sees you sometimes hanging out at the creek by the big tree.' he said as he looked away from the TV and right at me. A chill went down my spine. To think some creepy old woman was watching me while I was alone. Then it occurred to me, maybe he's messing with me again and he's been spying on me like some little twerp the whole time. I asked him if she was visiting now and he looked back at the TV and said, I don't know. Go check the attic in the garage and see. Come with me then. I replied in a sort of sarcastic way. She doesn't like it when I go in there and bother her, he said. Because she's not real, I found myself shouting. He just shrugged, and that was the end of our conversation. Things got weird after that day. It started as strange little events, but grew into somewhat larger problems. I would come home from school and find all the faucets in the house turned on. Or random items in strange places, like a pot or a pan in the closet, or in the cabinet of the bathroom. Pictures would be crooked, and cupboards and windows would be opened. Sometimes I would find chairs flipped over, or sitting in the hallway outside Eileen's room and mine. Then, I started hearing scratching and knocking noises throughout the house. At night, I would sometimes hear what sounded like laughter or crying. A cookie jar kept falling off the shelf and breaking, and my mum would glue it back together, then find it broken again within the next day or two. But we were pretty sure it was Eric trying to sneak cookies. At least until one night, while watching Unsolved Mysteries with my dad and Eileen, it happened while Eric was at a friend's house. The even creepier part was it happened right when someone on the show said they heard a crash. My mum still blamed Eric, though, She seemed to be the only one oblivious to the strange happenings going on in our home. Even my dad knew, and was a little worried. About two years passed, and we kind of had just gotten used to everything. When something strange happened, it was still creepers out, but no one really got hurt, and it just seemed somewhat normal. We'd put in one of those large deep freezers in the garage, directly under the attic as well, and it was there where we kept most of our frozen foods. One day, I decided I was going to get a Hot Pocket. As I grabbed one and shut the freezer, I had an odd feeling I was being watched. Then, I remembered Eric telling me how Mummy Ego stays in the attic. I slowly looked up, but to my relief. All I saw was the opening that led to the crawl space, and the usual light that we never turned on, or even knew if it worked. I shrugged, and went to the door leading out, I opened the door and flipped the lights off, but as I did, my body froze in fear. Out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a light coming down from the attic. I gained enough courage to turn my head and see. Sure enough, the attic light was on. I didn't know whether I should dart inside and shut the door, or check out what was going on. Curiosity ended up beating out fear, and I cautiously approached the freezer to look at the attic. I will never forget that day. As I carefully lurched forward to look up the light there, looking right back down at me, with her chin resting right on the edge of the hole, was the head and face of a grinning old woman. Her hair was pulled back and tied in a bun, and her face had more wrinkles than a shriveled prune. She had no teeth in her sinister grin, just black gums that seemed to reflect the light. I couldn't see her nose too well because of the shadow cast upon her face by the light in the background, but what I could see is clear as day, and what I still see in every nightmare I have is her eyes. Where there should have been white, there was yellow, and instead of a pupil and an iris, she simply had large black dots. Luckily, my bladder was empty, because had it not been... I would have easily needed to change. I ran out screaming so hard my voice went hoarse. I wish I could say that that was the last time I saw that face. I was on edge for three weeks after that encounter. I would not go in the garage. I jumped at every noise, and I avoided going to the creek to relax. Those same three weeks, not a single strange event happened. Then, one day, I went to visit my friend Jacy, who lived down the street. We talked about the normal things, but then I decided to ask her if she had seen or heard anything strange in her house. Surprisingly, she did. We talked about what we had in common, and about what one of us experienced but the other did not. When I brought up the name Mummy Ego, she froze. Her little sister, who was only two years older than Eric, had brought up that name before. Apparently a year ago, she claimed Mummy Ego helped her get a frisbee out their tree in the yard. She said she had not heard much after that, but now she was a little worried. I went home that night and straight to my room. I thought a lot about what JC told me, but eventually sleep overtook me and I passed out. I woke the next morning to a scream and found that both Eileen's bed and mine were shaking violently. As soon as my mum and dad burst through the door, it stopped. They calmed us down and gave us breakfast. My mum didn't believe us of course, but Dad did. Me and my sister talked a lot about it that day as well, but when I saw my little brother, he walked up to me and said Mummy Ego's mad at you. Then walked away. I felt sick to my stomach this thing had left us alone for so long, now why was it mad at me? Is it because I disturbed her in the garage? So many questions and worries passed through my head. But had she truly been mad at me, that was her only retaliation, because things went kind of back to normal. Sure, the occasional strange event, thing or noise would happen, but it was the same stuff we had gotten used to before. Another year had passed and my sister and I wanted to have a sleepover with some friends from school. Both my parents said yes and it was planned. They all brought their stuff to school so we could leave straight from there. And since we were all walking distance from each other on our school, we simply walked to my house afterwards and had fun. We watched movies, did makeup, curled our hair and painted our nails. You know, the stuff teenage girls did. At about ten that night, We got a loud knock on the door. We weren't really doing much just gossiping and playing the board game sorry. I got up to answer, and there was Eric standing there, and he looked very upset. Before I could ask him what was wrong, he yelled stop it. I know it was y'all at my window trying to scare me. I heard y'all laughing. Then stormed off back across the hall to his room before I could even respond. I didn't think much of it to be honest. I was too preoccupied with my friends, so I simply shrugged it off and went back to my room. We had all fallen asleep about two hours later, but for some reason, no matter how tired I felt, I just could not pass over into the world of my dreams. Then I heard a knocking on my window. Baffled at what it could be, I simply remained in bed in hopes it was just something being blown by the wind. Then. It happened again, a little louder this time. A realization came into my head. It was probably my stupid little brother, trying to get some sort of vengeance on us for something we didn't do. I angrily got up, and went to the window, and as I opened the blinds and prepared to tell him to go to bed, or Mom and Dad would become involved in his little prank. My heart leapt to my throat, and terror took over. Standing in the window. Was an old woman with her hair in curlers. She had a toothless grin and yellow eyes with black dots for pupils fixed on me. My body worked almost mechanically. I shut the blinds and slowly crawled into the bed. I just stared at the window. Then I heard a tap as if someone was tapping their long fingernails against the glass. I quickly hid under the cover and just listened to the tapping until exhaustion overtook me, and I slipped into unconsciousness. I don't know when the tapping stopped, but the next morning I was the last to awaken, and no one else seemed to hear anything of the sort. I began to question whether or not I was dreaming, and honestly, when I think back to that day, I sometimes still do. Another year passed, and my dad had received a promotion at his job. Since he was going to be making a lot more money, he decided it was time to move. We didn't really notice anything weird around this time because we were so focused on packing and getting everything ready. Our house in a new neighbourhood was in its final stages of construction and we were going to leave as quickly as we could. On the final few days of us being in the house it started storming really bad. The creeks flooded over and we had a non-stop tornado watch. We had the moving truck, but we could barely load it up and make trips back and forth due to the bad weather. The last day the rain let up a little and we managed to move most of our stuff to the new house. I was so excited for this move to finally be over that I couldn't fall asleep that night. I was thinking about the new house and how I would soon have my very own room in a place with two floors when I heard our front door open and close quickly. I looked at the clock, and it read 2.30am. Who the hell was up and about at this time? I got up and went outside to investigate, and as I walked out into the front yard, I saw Eric running down the street. I had no idea what he was doing, so I angrily yelled out to him to come back, but he kept running. I was barefoot and a little tired, but I spontaneously chased after him, thinking about how much trouble I'm going to make sure he's in for sneaking out. He turned down a street that was more like a cul-de-sac with a very large oak tree in the centre. As I turned down it too, I saw him jump into a space between two houses that led to the creek. I remembered how it was flooded down there due to the storms, so I broke into a dead sprint. I nearly fell down the slope that led to the water when I finally caught up to him but just as I was taking a breath to yell at him, I realised he wasn't the only child there. He was standing at the water's edge, with five other children standing around him in a half-circle. They were all in dirty, soaking wet, ragged clothes, and their flesh was as pale as the moon itself. As I got closer, I could see their glossy, clouded eyes fixed on the water. Then just like that, I blinked, and they were gone only to be replaced by five tyres and a wooden cross set in the centre. Eric was crouching down at this point, examining the curious structures. "'What are you doing?' I yelled. "I, I, "'I don't know,' he said back confused. "'You don't remember running here?' "'No, I swear!' I believed him. "'I really did. "'Let's go home. We're leaving tomorrow.' I told him, and we walked home, not saying a word to each other. A few weeks went by, and we were enjoying our new home. We hadn't been able to explore the neighbourhood much, though mainly because it would rain like every other day. One particular night, it stormed so badly, there was a flash flood warning, and our power went out. I lit a candle in my room, and read a book, but I figured after about an hour, it would be better just to sleep until it was over. I awoke the next day to my mum telling me she had some sad news. JC's sister had snuck out during the storm, and had been found in the creek. She had drowned. Thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it, guys. If you did, make sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Everything you do helps, and it's greatly appreciated. If you have a subject I'd like to cover, make sure you let me know in the comments section below as well. I always like reading your comments. So, until next time, sleep tight. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it